welcome to the More Deadly Podcast, where we review horror films directed exclusively by women-identified directors that prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male, and the female gaze. Uh, <laughs> more deadly than the male gaze, <laughs> at least tonight. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is one of my favorite people on the planet, the one and only Ariel. Hi. Hey, Ariel. How are you? I'm okay. I'm a little, in there? yeah, a little shell shocked maybe after watching this movie. <laughs> but I'm so, doing good. <laughs> so excited to talk about this yes. tonight because not only are we going to talk about a movie that must be discussed, but we get to talk about it with my other favorite person on the planet. Oh. Yes, that is right. You hear those dulcet tones making her triumphant <laughs> return to the podcast. <laughs> this is one to return for. <laughs> Promises made, promises kept. That's yes. all I'll say. <laughs> it is the one and only, the amazing, the brilliant Caitlin Grant of Plug It Up and Bloody Good Horror Podcast fame. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm so, so glad to be here. And on the pre-show, like, I, I truly, like, leaving the theater, I opened my phone and I was texting the two of you, like, help, 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 SOS. Like, <laughs> I, I need I, to talk to you. <laughs> Can I, just I totally tell understand you now. The FOMO that was ignited oh, yes. me in that moment. <laughs> as soon as I found out that I could insert this movie in my eyeballs, you can ask Ariel. We were talking about it. I found out it was on. We were actually recording at the time, and I was emailing you in the middle of recording another podcast. Like, please come back on the show. I need to process this. Immediately. I am honored. Yes. <laughs> oh, we are honored <laughs> because we're going to need you to guide us through this. You've seen this two times, and we only managed to see it one time. And it's a lot. I have seen this twice, and once was in the theater, like surround sound, squelching noises, and all. It was that's incredible. <laughs> what is that experience? Because I mean, this is a movie that I feel like it's good that you look at the screen because eye contact would be challenging. If <laughs> what is it like to do that next to another human body? Well, I took my friend Colleen. And she's been on Plug It Up and she was on the Jennifer's mm -hmm. Body episode and she's such a good sport. She loves horror, but mm -hmm. body horror is not her thing. Oh, <laughs> and wow. This is advanced. This is like yeah. the black diamond of body horror. It is. Well, she loved Raw, you know, okay. so I was like, oh, okay. we were both very excited because decor now, like we were just so impressed with Raw and it just physically it was one of those things where I was like pushing my feet against the seat in front of me and like had my like I was like <laughs> sinking further into like the cre like crease of the seat and Colleen was too like just we just got lower and lower <laughs> like shrinking away physically and like you know hands up above face sort of like not even hiding but just sort of in shock like oh what the fuck yeah, yeah <laughs> I can see that there's a particular scene that we will I'm sure talk about where I think my soul left my body so. <laughs> so here's the thing. This movie is so wild. I'm not actually sure which scene you're talking about. I could be five. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Basically, every time, every plot beat twist begins with something, my eyeballs partaking in something they have never tooketh in before. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, exactly. like, my brain was recovering memories, like, a week later. I remember texting Colleen, like, do you remember when there was, like, a full 60 seconds of the Macarena? And, like, <laughs> oh, the right. Macarena! Oh, my God, I forgot that, and I just watched it yesterday. <laughs> well, and I watched it again, and I, like, there was a, a pretty 
major thing that happened. And yes. I was like, Colleen, I forgot that, that. Like, I just didn't have space in my brain for all these things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of things that happen in this movie. It's intense. This could be oh. like a four part episode if we oh. really. Yeah. <laughs> Easily. Easily. It is. A... So I haven't even said what we're watching. Oh, right. You have not put the context clues together, which I would not blame you because. To know, to know this movie is to see it. Otherwise, yeah. nothing else will do it justice. We are going to be talking about Julia DeCorno's follow-up to Raw, the somehow even wilder Titan. Or is it Titan? How do you say it? Titan. Titan. Okay, sorry. But with a French accent that Titan. none of us can do. <laughs> I mean, my last name is Chateau. I should be doing a better job. <laughs> Colleen and I have just been singing, I am Titanium. <laughs> <laughs> so like titan like super southern like just going for like the butcher yeah, pronunciation that's how i pronounced it this yeah. whole time so uh, yeah, i find myself in my head saying it one way and then correcting like i'm correcting myself in my head because i know it's wrong and right. so i just i was like i'm going multiple choice on the show and then they can tell me <laughs> okay so quick warm-up question simply because I am a troll. Oh, dear. <laughs> if you are going to have sex with a car, <laughs> what kind would it be? And or if that's too personal, what's the sexiest car? What's the sexiest car? Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. Sometimes like, people will be like, well, what kind of car was it? Like I had a car hit me one time and I was like, uh, red? Like, I don't know <laughs> right. about cars. <laughs> like, I'm like, it was a car car, not like a truck. And they're like, a sedan. And I'm like, yeah, 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 sedan. <laughs> red? <laughs> like, I am so bad with cars. Okay. Me too. I'm right yeah. there with you. I don't even drive. I know nothing about cars. Oh, so. oh, yes, that's true. I thought you would definitely go PT Cruiser for obvious reasons. <laughs> I don't know if we told you this, Caitlin. Do you know that there's a weird sex cult in our neighborhood? I think and we they talked about it a little PT bit. Cruisers. <laughs> For whatever reason, I had blacked, like, blocked the PT Cruiser part <laughs> out. But I yeah. do. I, I am aware of the the cult. I just, yeah, the PT yeah, Cruiser it's part. Just, just it's very strange. There theme. are, yeah, there are so many of them in my neighborhood, and they don't even make them anymore. <laughs> I can't figure it out. It's so, so weird. <laughs> and but you, uh no that's not the car i would pick i don't think you've seen too many titanic style steamy windows with like a hand yes. pressed up in them yes i have <laughs> little, little tiny okay. windows of a pt cruiser <laughs> oh god i would whatever kind of car sex it would have to be safe because apparently you can get right pregnant. yeah right <laughs> oh like, god that would be no good like i've heard I the like go through Toilet yeah. seats, all that kind of stuff when you were like a teen. <laughs> I was not expecting bucket seats to be such a problem. <laughs> we probably seats. should have dropped our spoiler oh, warning shit. already. <laughs> that happens in like the first five minutes, to be fair. Like, yes. That's true. Right. That's true. Thank you. I, my favorite part was when you were fair to me. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's like the least insane thing that happens in this movie like right? incredibly yeah kind of <laughs> so. crazy that that could be true yeah so that is the one plot point i had had spoiled me for me prior oh, to the really? movie okay and so i thought i already know what this movie is about which was yeah. not true no <laughs> i mean it's a backdrop plot point but there's right. a lot of other shit going on before we get into the, all that how i haven't even asked you how are you guys doing what have you been up to what's new with the pod give me an update in your lives starting with you caitlin on the spot yeah yeah um i'm good it, it was a busy 
you know, spooky season. Yes. And yeah, I, I love like the holidays in general. So I'm feeling good. I know that not everyone is a big, you know, Christmas time and other, you know, winter holidays type of person, but I'm, I'm here for it. I like all of that. It's, you know, I, it's, it's a good time for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it's been busy. I've been doing a lot of work in person again, which is wild. (laughs) How is that? Well, I I don't go into an office. I've always worked as like my house is my my home base. Mm -hmm. But I'm on the road again, traveling some for work. And uh, yeah, it's like a little weird because we're still very much in the throes of COVID. But I'm... Yeah. It's a weird feeling where it's like, you know, I have half of my team that's on the you know, in the Pacific Northwest, Ariel, they're like still pretty hardcore locked down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go to lunch, I guess, like, <laughs> with the clients. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's a funky space to be in, but yeah. it's kind of nice to have some semblance of normalcy, but oh, it's I'm still sure. weird. The dissonance is like, but COVID? So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really strange. I had to go back into quarantine about two months ago. Ugh. And, uh, but I'm getting my booster in a few days, and then I'll at least be able to be around people I know who have been vaccinated. So Good. that is very exciting because, yeah, it is super weird to be so disconnected from people. Yeah. Yeah. Have you gotten your been able to get your booster yet, Caitlin? Yeah. So I Good. have Crohn's disease, so I'm immunocompromised. I got my booster in, like, July. Mm. And oh, that's like, great. Let's go. <laughs> so, Hell yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> Advantage Crohn's. Yeah. <laughs> if they could give me anything. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's weird. Like, I also went to two weddings in October. It's like, yeah. it's a whole different time, it feels like. So, yeah, for better or worse. Yeah, it's it's weird. I'm still not used to being around people. Like I walked into a spirit store and there were like too many people, and I was like, yeah. about face. <laughs> Very fair. Yeah. <laughs> but I want I want to be ready to be around other humans because uh, yeah, this mole people thing is it's for the birds, man. It's for the birds. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. How about you, Ariel? Anything exciting going on with you? Honestly, no. <laughs> Party. Okay. Cool. Well, let's get into this. <laughs> Well, let's face it. The most exciting thing we've got going on right now is to take (laughs) because it is all I've been thinking about. I've been trying to pitch stories about it at work today. No biting. Nobody. Oh, darn. Just because I didn't want to have to think about other news stories. I just wanted to think about this movie today and everything else felt like a chore. It takes up a lot of space in your brain for a long time afterwards. (laughs) Yeah. Literally the first thing I thought about when I woke up this morning. (laughs) <laughs> i'm not even kidding <laughs> i'm just glad i didn't dream about it at least that i remember yeah you know that's that is good <laughs> yeah, yeah that is for the best <laughs> yeah probably a, probably a good thing awesome okay cool so before we get into it ariel even though we have been a little bit bad about it this time can you please let our listeners know what our spoiler <laughs> policy is here on the show <laughs> Yeah. So honestly, guys, this one is real tricky. I don't even know how we're going to talk about it a little bit without spoiling stuff. So my suggestion would be to go watch this movie Mm. and come back and finish listening. But we're going to try our best to do a non-spoiler review along with information about the director and production before we get into spoiler territory. And we'll give you a warning before we do that. Mm -hmm. But honestly, go watch the movie. Yeah, I went in very cold and I think it was a good thing. The thing is, like, when I was doing my uh, rev- my mm-hmm. synopsis, I was like, it, no matter what I tell you, 
you're not going to be prepared for what you see. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> so like saying the words almost doesn't make sense because it, it doesn't. But when you see it, it's a totally different experience. So if you're one that's like, ah, maybe I'll like hear a little bit what it's about, you'll be okay, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. There's a there's enough stuff that happens in this movie that will keep surprising you. Yes. <laughs> even if yes. you listen. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I was trying to describe it to my partner after this was over. Good and, luck. He was just, and he was just like, wait, what? <laughs> and then there were steroids, and I think he OD'd. And he's like, what? <laughs> All right. Without further ado, tell me a little bit about the director and about how this film came about. Okay. So this is directed, again, by Julia DeCornow. Now, I'm going to put this warning. It's the same one I gave you before you reviewed Raw, that there are a lot of French words and names, and I'm no good at pronouncing them. Get ahead them. of it, girl. <laughs> so if you are yeah. French, I just apologize profusely for what's going to happen to your ears. <laughs> I tried hard to look up pronunciations, but even her name, if you go and watch her interviews, everybody pronounces it differently. DeCornow, DeCorno, DeCorna. <laughs> Nobody pronounces it the same way, and she never corrects them, so I don't know what's right. <laughs> All right, so... She's like, stupid American. <laughs> and I'm like, no, Probably. no, no. We have to talk to Cornell. Like, <laughs> this is a, no, no longer, you know, two-way street here. We've got some, like I said, she's got some splaining to do. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about her childhood and education. But if you want more information about that, I would suggest going back to listen to episode 35 of More Deadly, where we reviewed Raw, because I go into more detail there and obviously talk more about Raw. Okay, so she grew up in Paris, and her father is a dermatologist, and her mother is a gynecologist. Right. So her fascination with body horror started right out of the gate because she was privy to tons of her parents' medical conversations. And she talks about how that really is sort of foundational and informed her work. So a lot of her films, well, all of them actually, have a lot of body horror in them. And she attributes that to obviously her parents being doctors and then also watching tons of Cronenberg films. Apparently her parents were cinephiles. And so she watched tons of movies growing up. In fact, this was something new I learned. She said that in an interview that at the age of six, her parents occupied her during a dinner party by sitting her in front of the TV to watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Wow. <laughs> Things are connecting. Right? Things are coming together for me right now. <laughs> I remember watching that at age like 13 or 14 and having my mind blown. I can't, I can't believe she watched it at six. Wild. I love it. Yeah. So a lot of the information that I got was from this really great vulture profile that they did of her. The writer, Rachel Handler, interviewed her while they were walking around MoMA in New York. Mm. And I bring that up because I love her description of Decor now because I feel like it kind of gives you a sense of who she is. So first of all, if you've ever seen an interview with her, she almost always is wearing a leather jacket, has black cat eye liner on. And mm -hmm. handfuls of rings. <laughs> she always looks really cool. Dream aesthetic. Right? Seriously. <laughs> I could never. I know. I know. Yeah, my grubby little fingers. Like I wear like a size 10 ring in some fingers. So it's like, <laughs> I don't have enough rings for that. But like it's such a cool look. Yeah. Also a leather jacket. I oh, wish I, I could pull off a leather jacket. It would be so <laughs> sad on my little tiny torso-less body. <laughs> <laughs> I put on a crop top and it's a trench coat. It's just <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I could never. <laughs> so this writer described her as being, she's five foot nine, but gives off the distinct impression that she's six foot nine. Mm. She warns me that she can't stay inside the museum chatting for too long without a break. And DeCornow said, quote, it's not because I like the fresh air or anything. I don't give a shit about that. But I like smoking. <laughs> Gosh, she's so cool. I know. <laughs> and I oh, bet that's... she smokes amazing French cigarettes that are Probably. so fancy. They're like the Raya of cigarettes. You have to be her <laughs> to be able to purchase oh. them. <laughs> when I lived abroad, I uh, I lived in Chile for a while, mm-hmm. and my roommate would always roll his own cigarettes. And oh, I'm, wow. I'm certain that's what she does. <laughs> Probably. You're so right. Yeah. Hand roll, too. Yeah. That yes. roller bullshit. She's just like one hand. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, just <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some people are too cool, man. Right? I know. So the same writer described watching her films as like, quote, plunging your brain into an ice bath, then strapping it into a race car and driving it off a cliff, <laughs> which I feel like is sort of how I felt after watching Tatane. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So she studied screenwriting and directing at La Femise. Nailed it. Yeah. (laughs) And then worked as a story editor and a script consultant before directing her first short film called Junior. And after that, she made a TV movie. And then she directed her feature film debut, which was Raw. And that premiered at Cannes in 2016. And it won the Fipreski Prize. Mm. And Raw, of course, if you guys didn't listen to our episode, is her movie that's a coming of age story about a young cannibal. (laughs) It later showed at TIFF. And there were reports that the movie was so extreme that two people fainted and paramedics were called. And an L.A. movie theater even handed out barf bags to the audience when it premiered. I'm going to find those barf bags, Caitlin. <laughs> I, was, I was telling a friend about that today, uh, about how I learned that here mm-hmm. from you all. And I was like, so I wonder if Titan had like extra, like, right? <laughs> like even more barf bags. <laughs> even trying- larger barf bags. Yes. <laughs> I feel like it should come with some sort of novelty stick shift ball. You know, like, like, or like a really rad hairpin. I don't know. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I still have my my eBay notification set for Rob. Or- <laughs> I've gotten some weird updates. Smart None girl. of them have been correct yet. <laughs> oh, God. Thank you. Uh, so DeCorno actually had a really rough time after Raw came out. Obviously, it won a prize. It was beloved by genre fans, but she felt like a lot of people misunderstood her film and thought that she had made it just so that it would be shocking and grotesque and not for the sort of themes and messages she wanted to get across. No chance that's going to happen with this one. Nope. Right. (laughs) I mean... I like that she leaned in and was like, fuck it. (laughs) If they didn't get that one... (laughs) So she said in that Vulture profile, quote, you make something, you do it with your heart, and then people are prepared to throw up when they watch it. You have all these people that say that they like your film, and at the same time, so many others have misunderstood it. Personally, I couldn't help but put this on myself, thinking, oh my God, maybe I should have expressed myself better. So after that, she directed two episodes of the second season of Servant, which is M. Night Shyamalan's show for Apple TV+. Great fit for her, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> have you seen that yet, Caitlin? I have not. I really want to. I, I haven't gotten into Apple TV yet. Oh, you know, Yarhar, <laughs> Blackbeard. <laughs> <laughs> very subtle, very subtle. <laughs> 
So next she wrote and directed Tatane, but writing the script was actually a really hard road for her. So after Raw came out, people were clamoring for Raw too, but what they wanted was Raw, but even gorier and more disturbing. Mm. And she knew that she didn't want to do that. She wanted to create something wholly new and original, but she had writer's block. She actually spent an entire year trying to write every single day and completely failing. Oh, jeez. So luckily, she finally defeated her writer's block and wrote the script for Tatane when she admitted to herself how angry she was, both at people's expectations mm. of her next film and her own expectations, and the fact that she felt like Raw was taking up so much space. And I guess once she sort of released that anger, she was able to start writing. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so too. The script for Tatane was picked up by Neon in 2019, and she started filming last year. So when casting for this movie, she actually wanted to choose an unknown to play Alexia slash Adrian because she didn't want the audience to project any of an actor's past roles onto this character. And she wanted to choose somebody who looked androgynous. So mm -hmm. she and her casting director started to look at both male and female androgynous models. And she wasn't sure who she was going to pick, but she ended up choosing Agath Rossell mm. because she had such strong features. And DeCornow described her as sort of having this shape-shifting effect mm -hmm. that different angles you film her at or different lighting techniques you use, she almost becomes someone else. Yeah, definitely. But because she had never acted before, DeCornow actually spent an entire year working with her to prepare her for the role. Holy and shit. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I think she had her come in and read a ton of times, too, to make sure. Yeah, she did. And she had her act out scenes from Network, Twin Peaks, and Killing Eve to oh, kind of gear her up for this. Yeah. And she also hired a professional pole dancer to teach her how to dance. Mm. She was skillful. She sure yeah. was. It paid off. <laughs> yeah, worth it. Worth mm -hmm. it. It's so interesting. I love the places where DeCornell really kind of keys in on things. Like with Raw, it was that whole thing about coordinating dances for all the different people. Yeah. It mm -hmm. shows kind of her unique perspective when she goes into filmmaking, which is writ large over the film. But it's, I don't know. It's very interesting. Yeah. Her brain works in a different way. When you listen to interviews with her, People will often ask her a question and then she'll almost kind of rewrite the question for them before <laughs> answering because she's like, no, that's not, you know how sometimes you'll ask a question and you're, you're kind of preparing for the answer you want while you're asking yeah. it. Oh, totally. So people will do that with her and she's like, actually, that's not how I think about it. It's this way instead. Oh, I love it. Yeah, she's very unpredictable. So I know that Rachel, when we were talking on Discord yesterday, you had mentioned that you could see sort of connection between her other films and this one. Well, I mean, and I was like, the names are the names. of all the names <laughs> yeah. out there. Really, she's Justine again. Really, we have another Adrian. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> so she says that she sees her films as one continuous gesture. And that when you finish one, you'd move on to the next as though they were one film and her characters were just growing up. So apparently there are even Easter eggs hidden in the movies, like details in the sets that were from earlier films, even from her short film. Are we meant to think that Justine is Justine or is it just more so like, I don't think like so. multiverse kind I of thing? I think situation. it's more of a, of a multiverse thing okay. and just the idea of a young woman growing up, not necessarily the exact same woman, if mm. that makes sense. Okay. 
I mean, not not to give too many spoilers. Yeah, it's, it's it. not. But Alexia is like the danger, the real danger in Raw, and Alexia is yeah, very the true. danger here. Mm-hmm. But it's yes. like I'm, you know, I that was one of my biggest questions. Was like, and the first thing I noticed, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the names of these characters appear in all of her films. I'm maybe gonna bit butcher this name, but Garance uh, Marillier plays a character <laughs> plays a character named Justine in her short film Junior and then she's also in Raw Entertain playing so, Justine. I did not get a chance to listen to your episode, but I did read the description. Do you actually know how to say that name? <laughs> well, I know I called her Miller. I was like, what? I'm like oh! a fucking idiot. I was like super screwed it up and I love her. I was like, yeah, I don't know if I was fabulous. just like tired when I was like trying to copy and paste names into the document, but I was like, what an idiot. Oh, I feel so bad. I hope you pronounce it Millier. Millier. I was like, Garance Miller and <laughs> full confidence. I'm I glad like, I'm not alone i had to write it out for myself phonetically and i probably still got it wrong (laughs) oh you probably i mean i'm just teasing but yeah i'm in no position i'm in no high horse when it comes to the pronunciation of names let me tell you (laughs) so the same actor plays justine in all three of her films and the names alexia and adrian are also used in raw and Tatane. it premiered to rave reviews at Cannes. And it won the Palme d'Or, so making cool. her only the second woman to receive the highest award at the festival. Wow. Jane Campion won it for the piano in 1993, which Jesus. means there was a 28-year gap between that Jesus. first award and a second one, which is oh outrageous. <laughs> Yay, like, I'm glad we're in this post-feminist yeah. world. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, right? <laughs> Lucky us. Yeah. Oh, grim. So at the London Film Festival, she was asked by upcoming what she thought women brought to cinema that we haven't seen before because it's been so male dominated. And she said, quote, I do have this feeling that women have always been active in cinema, but nobody wanted to see what they were doing. Mm -hmm. So now it's like step by step trying to have focus on female filmmakers. The female take on this art and the story they can bring are things that we barely have seen before. So basically what it can do is broaden the spectrum of how we can feel our humanity. I love it. Great answer. And so true. When we were watching this last night, one of the things that like when I was saying, I'm like, is this my number one movie of the year? Yeah. Was that the ones that are battling it out for those top spots are all directed by women this year. This has been a wild year for women. Oh, I know. I know. It's actually, it's crazy. Because I, I kept thinking while I was watching it, I was like, wow, is this going to remove St. Maud from my top pick, Ooh. you know? <laughs> and I was like, is this shaking me more than Violation? I'm back right. and forth about it with those two. Have you seen, have you seen Violation yet? I actually have it on my phone. I have a list on my phone of stuff oh. that I want to watch. Oh, good. <laughs> and I have like Violation, like parentheses, Rachel. Oh, my- <laughs> <laughs> I just, if this is, it's like Titan in that I need more people yes. to see it because I need, <laughs> I need to, I still, even though I've talked to Ariel's ear off about it, I need we more need processing more and I can't yeah. expect her to hold all of my processing. I got to spread it around a little bit. We could do like a whole Mechanical Turk all of my processing. <laughs> 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 and to be honest when you watch it you're gonna want to <laughs> yeah there'll be another text message of you being like okay so i just finished this we need to talk <laughs> help, help help yeah like <laughs> beacon sent up like yeah exactly, exactly yeah we need what is our bat signal gonna look like <laughs> i'm a little afraid <laughs> <laughs> all right so in an interview with indie wire she also even though she said all of this about women filmmakers 
She also talked about sort of getting annoyed when people call her a woman director because she doesn't want her gender to be sort of the only thing that defines her and that she makes her movies the way she makes them because she's who she is and not necessarily because she's a woman. And while I can totally understand that, and I think that's a very valid perspective, I also think that the people who are asking that question a lot, it's because we do want to celebrate her accomplishments as a woman in the industry. Yeah. I think that's still really important. And the fact that she's only the second woman to win the Palme d'Or yeah. is sort of evidence that we need to uplift that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I was, when I was watching this, I was trying to categorize who are her contemporaries. Yeah. What I came up with is she makes the movies that Nicholas Winden Ruffin thinks he's making. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think? Like, I was yeah, like, oh, this is like, uh, you know, God, what is it? Some never forgets. If that were good, it would be this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, no, Ruffin no, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> Winden can take it. He'll be fine. <laughs> the patriarchy will embrace him. He'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> it will wrap its loving, strong arms around him and he will be just fine. So I have a few more things that I want, a couple more things that I wanted to talk about in reference to Tatane and, and sort of what she was thinking while she made it. But honestly, they're so spoilery that I'm going to hold off and I'll just sort of pepper them in while we're talking about it cool. in our spoiler part of the review. So the only thing else that I have here is that it was released in theaters in the U.S. on October 1st of this year. And it has now moved to VOD where you can rent it or buy it on Amazon voodoo Redbox, wherever and she is currently apparently working on two projects one in france and one maybe in the u.s but Ooh. she hasn't said anything publicly or about what they are and what genre they're even in in fact in multiple interviews i watched people asked her so can you tell us about your next project and her response was no I really, really hope it's a Hallmark holiday movie. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my god! Like, Suck it, losers! Like, <laughs> going hard in the other direction. I mean, that would be the most shocking thing she could do is to do something. Like I mean, super mainstream. I suppose that's true. If she yeah. just went full Nicholas Sparks or something. <laughs> well, you know, I was like, so if Raw is her freshman film and this is her sophomore film like where do we even go next like, right? just... that's a very good question <laughs> i'm I very have no idea but i feel like she's gonna have an idea although oh, i yeah. do Something feel like she leveled up in the actual craft of the filmmaking itself this one I is agree. so delicious to look at and when it's both beautiful and when it's fucking grotesque <laughs> maybe it's <laughs> grotesque and i feel like she also managed to level up the scratching fully in this somehow I'm like, uh-huh. how is the scratching even worse this time around? <laughs> she nails the sound like the sound of that oh is man just brutal in both raw and in titan it's just like whoo yes all right we've been talking a lot i want to hear from you caitlin in a non-spoiler <laughs> way wait, wait, wait tell us what you thought of this here movie film uh i think the the non-spoiler sort of text i sent to i I was like immediately like frantically (laughs) texting y'all and then that was like on the way out of the theater and when i got to my car i texted the bloody good horror group chat Uh and i was like that is the most grotesque thing i've ever seen Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Mm -hmm. like i don't mean it in a that's not a negative thing that's not necessarily a positive thing it's just what it is it's an accurate descriptor (laughs) yeah Yeah. it is wild Mm -hmm. i have i 
<laughs> I was saying that like my brain was recovering pieces of this movie the entire week after I watched it uh-huh. <laughs> because it's like there are a lot of pieces to it. There are a lot of storylines. There are a lot of dimensions. There are a lot of threads. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was holding all of these what feel like really disparate characters, disparate stories. Mm-hmm. And I was holding them and I was like, I don't know if these pieces go together i don't know how to put them together like it helped me <laughs> just like i'm trying to like you know form the narrative form the takeaway form the you know something yes. from it and i was just like holding all of this and it took you know I, I ended up doing an episode with uh colleen who i watched it with in the theaters and that was like very helpful but still we had so many questions yeah. about everything and sure I watched it again, and that did, uh, I think because I was, I knew what was coming Mm -hmm. in terms of shock, I was able to dig in a little bit more to sort of themes and sort of uh, (laughs) connections, but it's still, I mean, that's, that's tenuous just because there's so much to take in, but it's wild. There, I, I think overall I'm positive on Mm -hmm. it. Um, we can talk more about some depictions and, Mm -hmm. and you know, I, I, Colleen had some very fair criticisms mm-hmm. and I want to get y'all's take on yeah, those too. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm going to need you to bring the cons because I feel like I'm just so dazzled by it that I haven't had a time to yeah. like get critical. So this is- <laughs> It is dazzling. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's so much to look at. Like just the the stunts, the, yeah. <laughs> like, the effects. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, it is just a lot to behold. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> think that is all very fair (laughs) how about you miss ariel yeah so i wish i had gotten to see this a second time because Mm -hmm. i wonder how much more i would have gotten out of it i really do feel like there are so many layers to this movie that subsequent watches might sort of open my eyes to things that i missed but ultimately i really really like this movie Mm -hmm. i will have a couple of cons at the end but for the most part I am so on board with every crazy thing that happens in this movie. This movie is, like Caitlin said, grotesque, and it is deeply, deeply strange. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. (laughs) It is one of the most odd movies I've probably ever watched, but it is also incredibly beautiful and emotionally touching in ways that I did not expect based on the first 20 minutes of this film. So going in, all I knew is I remembered vaguely that when I had done the research for the Raw review, I had read like a little snippet from somebody's review of Tatane that had mentioned sexy car stuff. But the only other thing I knew about it was that the synopsis that I kept seeing going around was about a little boy reconnecting with his father and something about a serial killer. And so based on that, I was not prepared for what I got out of this movie because that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, that's part of it, but, but it's also (laughs) super inaccurate somehow at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like it. The acting in this is amazing. The fact that she was a first time actor blows my mind and so much is done in this movie with almost no dialogue. There is so little dialogue. By the way, if you're turned off by subtitles, I would say still watch this movie because honestly, there's so little dialogue, it probably won't bother you. Right. You're not going to have to yeah. do a lot of reading, you know? Agatha Roussel has like 
I mean, like I could probably count the lines on mm-hmm. my hands. Right, exactly. Like, I don't even need my toes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very few. Right. <laughs> like she really, like wow, that is quite the performance. A plot to take point on, is especially as a she's major. mute. <laughs> yeah, that is one plot point. Yeah. <laughs> and this movie is like we're saying it's so unexpected, it's so unpredictable. Every time I thought I kind of had a handle on what the movie was, something new would happen that opened my eyes and the twists and turns just sort of keep coming. But they're not twists and turns the way you would get in like a murder mystery or something. It's just that mm-hmm. these scenes go places that my feeble little mind never could have conceived of. You know? <laughs> I can't even imagine storyboard. No, right. like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you bring out the next card and you're like looking at your room of people and you're like, okay, bear with it. Like, and then <laughs> and they're like, I don't know. And you're like, no, 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 no. It's all good. <laughs> Wait, did they do a table read for this movie? Like, what did that look like? <laughs> oh, God, that would be wild. I feel like there'd be a lot of narrator doing a lot yes. of work. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing about this movie, obviously, we're going to get into all the crazy stuff when we get into spoiler reviews. But... It also is very emotional. It is a very emotional story. Mm-hmm. And it gets at these really human feelings about love and family and even sort of the terror of aging. Yes. Mm-hmm. So themes that, again, I just wouldn't have expected to come out of this film, but I probably should have considering how much emotional depth there is in Raw combined with all of the body horror. That, I think, is her signature, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I loved it, but honestly, I don't know how to say anything else without spoiling stuff. So <laughs> I'll let you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I think I've made, it's pretty clear that I'm pretty obsessed with this movie. It is looming large over the last 24 hours of my life here, and I don't really know where I go from here. <laughs> my, my time, <laughs> what does your life look like now? <laughs> what is life now? I don't really know. I wish, like you, I had had time to watch it a bunch more times because I do feel like there's five movies worth of themes and plot points and yeah. questions like I, I you could write about this thing endlessly and i i started to today and then i was like rachel rain it in <laughs> but what i think i've kind of come away from this film is that it is wild it is weird it is gorgeous but most of all and and i think this speaks to de corno style in general is that it is completely fearless her storytelling is dangerous in that there are no rules and there are no guardrails when she's telling you a story. I've yeah. watched twisty things before and definitely have enjoyed them, but I, there's something about her where you cannot predict what's happening next. And yet somehow she is able to kind of still keep this wild train on the tracks mm-hmm. in a way that I feel comfortable just letting her take me on a journey because even though i have no fucking idea where we're going she clearly does and i think that's really exciting as a filmmaker it's making me really i was excited to see this movie i mean obviously we've been planning this episode for months (laughs) (laughs) well and with with raw being what it was i mean how could you not be excited? exactly exactly (laughs) i do i mean this one i what i will say this was even better for me because it didn't have any of the sort of bars for entry of animal violence and eating noise so that was it <laughs> right. so it's easier for me this time around but yeah i i thought this was as you said emotionally impactful visually sumptuous beautifully acted i cannot believe this is uh, roussel's first role but for me honestly the standout in this was vincent linden who plays vincent he is so good his performance is aching yes yeah. that is the word that kept yeah. coming to mind when i was watching 
him, just all these sort of layers of him unveil. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is it, it, it's height. <laughs> <laughs> you like it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And what is DeCorno's brain? I do not understand. So. Yeah. I don't know that I could say anything more than you guys have said without getting, like you said, into spoilers. So let's jettison the spoiler wall. I'm going to give you a synopsis of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) And let me tell you, normally I try to keep these really short. This is going to be a little bit longer. So you're going to have to bear with me because this movie has so much plot. Yeah, there's so much happens. And yet, how is it that it has this much plot and no dialogue and it still works? I don't know. It does, though. All right. So. (laughs) For people who are spoiler adverse, this is your last morning. We are going to lay it all out on the line. So I think you've had time to find your phone and press pause. Okay, good. When the movie opens, Alexia, our main character, is still a child. She's driving with her father and distracting him, bringing the little shit realness. And <laughs> making car noises and all that stuff. Kicking his seat, little asshole. And it results in a car crash where she gets, receives a head injury that requires having a titanium plate inserted into her head i'm not sure if we're supposed to take away that this is where her auto i think so takes place oh, except for that she was <laughs> making the car noises so i'm unclear i'm unclear so when she gets out of surgery she now has this fascination and she's petting her parents car and then we flash forward to her as an adult where she's now working as sort of a car show model and she's got a little bit of fame as, as a car show model and she meets a fellow car show model named justine played by Garons Miller or you know Miller if you're like cool like that on that kind of level um, <laughs> just confidently I was like Miller <laughs> nailed it yeah. well, let me pat All myself right, yeah. on the back okay <laughs> and they have a bit of a meet cute m-e-a-t meet cute in the shower involving Justine's nipple rings <laughs> ooh, uh, yes ooh, ooh, the nipple violence in this is a lot Later that night, while Alexia is chased by a fan who she uh, kills with her hairpin, her handy hairpin, which seems like, oh, what a nice coincidence that she had this weapon on her. Maybe not such a coincidence. She goes back (laughs) into the showroom to shower off his death spit and uh, ends up having sex with a car, you know, as you do. I mean, it was flashy and it was, you know, peacocking a little bit with the jumpity jump. Anyway. It was like bucking. Yeah, right? And weirdly... Such a strange Tetsuo moment, but also kind of beautiful and really kinky. I don't know why it worked, but it did. The next day, she isn't feeling well, but she ends up going on a date with Justine. They have some super awkward foreplay. (laughs) (laughs) And yet they still head back to Justine's where she takes a pregnancy test and finds out she is Cadillac positive. So (laughs) (laughs) So, I don't know. Uh... I, I guess she's upset about this and as a result she kills justine and most of her roommates through various forms of penetration and (laughs) we discover she's a bit of a serial killer our girl alexia just a touch just a touch (laughs) although that i mean that scene is where i was like that was a wild scene i I was thinking about it's interesting that she grew up watching cronenberg because i was totally thinking of possessor in this scene especially Mm, especially when she's getting him with the I've never seen anyone die by yeah bar stool. Yes, um, that made me think of Possessor too. That was exactly <laughs> where my brain went. So now she's on the run for obvious reasons, and because one of the roommates gets out, and she assumes the identity of a missing boy named Adrian. And Adrian's father, Vincent, arrives and believes without DNA anything that that is his son. 
and she refuses to talk and he accepts it because he assumes it's like PTSD and they kind of settle into a life together in another plot twist that I did not see coming. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, she's actively hiding the signs of her pregnancy and the fact that she is female. So she's binding with ACE bandages. And this is my public service announcement that is very unsafe. If you want to bind, get a binder. It's also very painful and uncomfortable as seen by Alexia. And this kind of is how the film sort of settles in for a while, except for that we're watching her, the pregnancy develop and in ways that are, I mean, pregnancy is a little grotesque, but (laughs) there's a lot less sort of like, I don't know. Motor oil? Motor oil. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when I first saw it, I was like, well, maybe it's blood. Like, maybe it's just dark out. And then I was like, no. no. You knew had the self. You knew it was motor oil this whole goddamn time. The motor oil lactation was... I was oh, not prepared. Good. I was not prepared for that. I mean, I'm glad <laughs> I've seen it, but I, I was not prepared. <laughs> eventually, it all kind of comes out. And it, it results eventually in the end of her going into labor. And despite realizing that she's not his son, Vincent helps her... It's one of the most intense birth scenes I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Give birth to the transhumanistic child, but she dies in childbirth and he is left holding the baby, promising that he is there. Roll credits and somehow it's amazing. I don't fucking know. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, sorry for the very long synopsis. No, that was actually really good. Was that okay? Because I was like... I don't know where to cut. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what's funny is there's so many other threads yes. that, yep. and like that that you, you that. cut in the same places that I did because those are the ones that I guess felt the most significant. <laughs> right? I mean, those are our tent pole. They get us from point yes. A to B, but there's like, like you said, the Macarena is in here. There's the stuff with the developing relationship with her and Vincent is honestly some of the best of parts of this movie, but like. I totally agree. I don't know. All right, let's let's get into all no holds barred seatbelts off. <laughs> Caitlin, let's talk about this freaking movie. What 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 have you been holding back? Unleash. So I I love body horror. I really do, and mm-hmm. I <laughs> I just I don't know. I don't know if it's because it's not. It's not like society where we're like shunting into one another and it's like goopy and gooey and like, you know, <laughs> that kind of body horror. Yeah. But it's like the the small almost instances of how pained we know she is taping yeah. down her belly that just wants to grow because it's pregnant. Oh, the and sound like, of that ace bandage. <laughs> oh. And like there's <laughs> one thing that I talk a lot about on the Plug It Up episode of this is there are like some homoerotically charged firehouse dance parties. Yes, sure are. Yes. <laughs> and there's one at one of the parties, like she's getting the wind knocked out of her because she's getting sort of like mosh pit style knocked mm-hmm. around. And like those moments of body horror, I mean, there is an attempted home abortion scene. There is yes. like her body is like she milks her breasts for motor oil at one point. Like there are some weird fucking scenes here. Jesus, but those... I'm realizing I've lost so many things as you're saying they're coming back to me. Like, <laughs> like you said, repressed memories. I, I feel like we're in the third yeah. act of a movie, and I'm. <laughs> I was well, raised by secret Satanists. I don't know. What's happening. <laughs> well, even so, near the end, uh, there's a scene, and I had totally forgotten that. 
Vincent lights his chest on fire. Yeah. Like, there are so many weird ass body horror scenes, but the ones that really struck me and the ones that made me, like I said, sort of push back in my seat were the ones where it's like, you know, we know as the audience, but the people around her don't know how much strain her body's under. Mm-hmm. And like, whew, like the little things she does, like by herself, like breaking her nose against oh the my, side of that. Oh sink. wow! <laughs> Weirdly, that, that was the part I had the hardest time watching in the whole movie. And there's some wild shit in here. When she was yeah. like lining her face up to smash it into the sink, I was like, I need to leave my body now. Let me know. And when she this breaks is over. it so much. Oh, I mean, so it's real crooked. Yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> really, real crooked. <laughs> Well, like her eyes fix on the sink, and I'm like, oh no. Uh, or, uh, and like when she's sort of on the toilet, and you know that she is upset that she's pregnant, Cadillac positive. <laughs> it's like, you like, you know, like the determination on her face. Like, I'm like, oh fuck, this is where this is going. But it's like, it's wild because it's hyper violent in some scenes, especially the murder scene yes. at, at mm-hmm. Justine's apartment. But Something about those quieter moments mm-hmm. of body horror were just brutal. And yeah. similarly, the quiet moments of this sort of like desperate and traumatized individual of Vincent, just like not even giving a shit. Like, I don't care who this is. I'm mm-hmm. going to have them as my son. Mm-hmm. And then just or, uh, Alexia, who is fundamentally broken, like without morals, uh, probably a sociopath. And yeah. it's like they forge this weird little family yeah connection it's like yeah it's it's very bizarre but it's like it's in those moments where it develops because they have like a spaghetti dinner at one point and alexia slash adrian is like very defensive and doesn't want him near her and then there's another dinner later on when vincent's ex-wife comes and like alexia slash adrian like they're holding hands Vincent, and it's like a lot of tender moments between them there's that Truly. scene where Vincent puts his head in her lap and she puts her hand on his head mm. and kind of strokes his head. And it's so sweet and tender and loving. And that kind of stuff happens throughout the film as they become closer and closer and more like a family. It's it's kind yeah. of incredible that that's in the same movie as all the other stuff. And that it linchpins exactly. around the Macarena. Right. <laughs> like that's the watershed <laughs> moment, right? Where for the first time instead we've been watching her take lives. And she saves yeah, the life. She's, yep. Well, they're doing it together. Like, they're both resuscitating individuals at that point. And it's so... I, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll sort of finish up my thoughts and no, then we can get into it. No, please go as long but... as you want. <laughs> <laughs> We're counting like, on you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. Like, mm. it's so... It's such a weird movie. The plot is very strange. And the first act feels very disparate from the second two for me. It's like mm. a completely mm-hmm. different thing. Yes. But it's like these like small moments of intense body horror these small moments of intense connection it's really weird and then there's also like some really darkly humorous moments of just like what the fuck is happening (laughs) yeah where like colleen and i were kind of like do we laugh i guess we're supposed to laugh like you know the the macarena scene is like it's silly the fact that she's pregnant via a car 
is funny. Like, it's so weird. Like, it's so silly. Yeah, there's it's even, also- like, quiet funny moments. Like, when she's in Justine's house and she goes upstairs to try to catch that one woman in the bathroom and then realizes there's another guy. And she yeah. just How goes, many of there are you? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> it's deep sign. It's, it's so like funny. Scooby-Doo style. It's yeah. like, oh, geez, how many of there are you? And it's like, <laughs> the, I don't know. It's It's – Tonally, it's kind of all over the place, but intentionally so. Yeah. And I think that's part of what draws me to it. We can get into some talk about sort of uh, gender stuff, but yeah. overall, I'm I'm pretty positive on it. And I definitely, with a second watch, was able to take more in because I wasn't so like initially shocked by what yeah. I was seeing. Yeah, sure. And also, like, there were moments where I was kind of like – unintentionally checking like looking over at colleen when we were in the theater like yes this happened like and what does that mean about my mental health state <laughs> yeah i was like i like just sort of like checking for understanding that that is indeed what happened on the screen yeah um, yeah it's wild it's, it's how wild. quickly you're able to just accept the car thing and it just yeah. back burners because you're so moved on to whatever the next plot point is. Oh, yeah. And then when you circle back, when she unbinds and you circle back to like, oh, that's right. She has a Cadillac baby growing inside her. <laughs> it, it, you, for, you almost forget because you're so, I at least I was so immersed in whatever plot point we had reached at this point. Especially yeah. when we got deeper and deeper into that relationship with Vincent. I felt like this is almost an anthology if it weren't yeah. if it weren't connected in one single narrative because you're right there's massive tonal shifts that happen as the plot evolves as well well it's like she kills her parents and that's like a a blip <laughs> you know it's like yeah. Oh, yeah 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 she murdered them she burned them alive like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> it's just I don't know. And then I'm like, all right, I guess we're at the airport now and we're going to break our nose like it's just <laughs> it's and it's it's hard because i was not rooting for alexia because she's terrible she's inscrutable yes yes she is and i'm also not rooting for vincent because he's pretty like unhinged there like he's willfully buying into this that's not a healthy thing for him to do and he's i mean in in order to keep this sort of like it's not even a folly ado, but it's like to keep mm-hmm. this like charade going. He murders one of his coworkers, one of the firemen on his on his staff, you know. And it's like, fuck, yeah. these yeah. people are like profoundly broken <laughs> and profoundly fucked up. But it's like, all right, I guess I'll deliver your baby. Like we're in this together. So. Oh my god, the delivery too is unbelievable. So I'm gonna recommend a documentary and not tell you anything about it because it will imposter. Do- yes. <laughs> I was thinking that oh, too. No. Have you seen, <laughs> I'm going to add it to my list. You should. It's really interesting. It's a documentary that has crossover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shared theme. Even the Plot. name I can kind of discern. Well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, okay. So you kind of get the idea, but I found myself filling in some blanks with Vincent based on uh, how the parents behaved. In that documentary. In that documentary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who are in a similar situation to Vincent. It is a trauma response. Like, I, I understand that. And it's just so interesting to see his ex-wife, presumably Adrian's mother, mm-hmm. be like, um, no, like, I know that this is not Adrian. And at the same time, like, hey, 
Um, I don't know how you got into this fucked up situation, but just don't hurt him. Okay, bye. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. It right. was another twist. I was sure that she was going to try to expose her and we'd get another mm-hmm. murder or something. But instead, there's this real compassion that takes place. She's sort of disgusted, but also she has compassion not only for Vincent, but also for Alexia in this situation. Because she sees what condition right. she is in. Well, they're both so pitiful. Like, mm-hmm. like Alexia is in this pitiful state where her body is tearing at the seams. Literally. Literally. <laughs> exposing titanium uh, placenta or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, and then Vincent is also pitiful because it's like, of course this isn't Adrian. Like, we, it's obviously yeah. not Adrian. Yeah. But it's like, you know, he won't hear it from his staff. He's mm-hmm. not going to. And it's like, well uh okay these two are forging whatever uh broken connection this is and i you know i i want to see where it takes us i'm not necessarily rooting for it but it is i mean i loved the movie overall it's just mm-hmm. it's it is brutal to watch in points for like emotional reasons for mm-hmm. body horror reasons but whew, yeah i don't know what something. part of me is broken because i was very invested in that relationship <laughs> me too no i felt that way too okay good. Well, there are like, times where it feels like a little incestuous yes. but it's yeah absolutely it's, it's just like what is happening <laughs> i was so relieved it never like it started to at one point at the very end it starts to and he mm-hmm. shuts it down and i was so relieved because that there is an almost sexual tension between them but i think it's about it's not a sexual tension it's a need tension a desperation for connection that we're so coded to see as sexual right and i think that at that point where she tries to kiss vincent it's not oh so i don't like it it's really uncomfortable (laughs) but i think it's because she has no idea how yeah. to make that connection, how True. to ask for Correct. love, how to ask for tenderness. This is the only way she knows how to get closeness and intimacy from somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, she doesn't have I, – I don't think that she's in touch with no. human emotion whatsoever. And mm-hmm. it's like – I mean, she has physical needs in the sense that she has to eat and she has sexual needs in the sense that she, like, wants to have sex with this car. But she doesn't <laughs> have, like, a lot of – you know, that's why I, I – code her kind of a sociopathic yeah, because oh, she doesn't sure. yeah you know no remorse about killing all those people at just no, she's just it. chilling and eating while she's listening to the news talking about all these deaths yeah. she's kind know? of a machine right that's that machine part of her yes mm-hmm. <sighs> okay so can we talk because this is a film a female filmmaker a woman filmmaker we need to talk a little bit about the gaze and the way that she plays with it i think because what i loved about this is that the movie opens with this sort of almost satirical take on the male gaze yeah where we get this dance number where i felt like i gave the actor a pelvic exam (laughs) (laughs) it was a lot and i was like camera angle especially at the beginning yeah it's right up in there we are going there we were too scared short of a pelvic exam at (laughs) and and i was just like well this is this is interesting i trust julia i she's Mm -hmm. saying something with this and so when it's the gaze switches and never, never looks back. Even the late next time we see her dancing seductively, it is framed in a totally different way. The palette is totally different. The response from the people watching yeah. her on the car is totally different. What I love is it kind of opens with the sort of male gaze with that and the shower scene and then the man chasing her to her car. All of these very familiar male gazy horror tropes. And then the movie takes a turn and that is it. 
the yeah, color palette back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The color palette changes, the gaze changes, the way that she, her body is shot changes. Even though the nudity, the violence, and the sexual content continue, it, it's never it's it's a totally different perspective that we're looking at her. And I, I just think right. it's 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 interesting because it invites you to be complicit in the way that the world sees her before we get as far as we can get into who she is until that shift happens. It's disarming and it's interesting as a female filmmaker to be to be basically co-opting the male gaze in order to kind of make a statement I thought was really interesting. Yeah, and then after it makes that switch, every time that we see her in states of undress or even fully mm-hmm. nude, it's never sexualized again. No. Yeah. Ever. Well, yeah. there is well, one scene. Okay. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> there is, yeah. But even the titillating literally titillating sex scene with justine (laughs) is grotesque i mean it is you see her engaging with the metal in her nipples and you're just like oh no oh no oh no there's nothing sexy about no and then she's so unfeeling afterwards and Mm -hmm. acts like such kind of a petulant child about it yeah yeah the way she storms off we keep mentioning this fire truck scene where there's the mosh pit and then the where she dances on top so In this scene, the character climbs onto a fire truck and does this sort of erotic dance when they have just before been knocking into one another, sort of half-dressed in this hyper-masculine mosh pit. Mm -hmm. So DeCornow said that for her, this scene represents what she described as, quote, her queer vision of the world, one that had to transpire in my mise-en-scene with light and angles, not just the script. It's also how you portray and deconstruct gender stereotypes. Mm, interesting there's a lot about gender in this and i'm guessing it's both a place where i think it's really interesting that i also think is a place where i've seen most of the criticism about this film and i wanted to kind of get your input on it what is some of the criticism um i I think think i have a feeling what it is i mean it's about the use of transgender iconography um Mm -hmm. but then like using it sort of framed as grotesque in some Mm -hmm. ways Mm -hmm. well it's it's and, and for whatever reason, I think because I trust DeCornow so much mm-hmm. as sort of like a feminist vision that I was like, that's, I kind of wrote off those criticisms because I just trusted her to not go in a direction that was problematic. Yeah. But I will say, so in discussion, Colleen and I were talking about it and we landed in different spots on this, but I do think it's worth noting that this does hit on beats of the transgender experience mm-hmm. in terms of like transforming your gender mm-hmm. presentation right and there's a lot of use of like testosterone and steroids and there's a lot of use of unsafely taping down you know your breasts to bind and unfortunately in this scenario like it often is in horror like the sort of gender transformation here is not exploratory but it's like a means to an end and it's and it is criminal mm-hmm. um, just like mm-hmm. it is for buffalo bill just like it is for Angela and Sleepaway Camp, like we, unfortunately in horror, we, we tend to get these gender transformations in really fucked up characters. Right, (laughs) right. And we know, and Decor now knows that they're not doing that because, you know, they're not, it's not that like, because A then B, it's not like because they're transforming their gender that they're bad or because they're bad, they're transforming their gender. Mm -hmm. It's just that this was a means to an end for a character, I think, to pose as Adrian. Mm -hmm. Right. That was my takeaway. So I, 
I wasn't as critical of it, but I do think that there's something to be said because if you don't know decor now and you don't come in with this sort of like feminist background that we do, you might Mm -hmm. read those notes a little bit differently. And, you know, you're picking up on sort of the like, oh yeah, that's a thing and that's a thing. And you're not walking away with the same message. Definitely. Right. And I, I think right. I'm so hyper tuned into trying to see it like, is someone coding as a turf or not? <laughs> that yeah. when it's like, I'm like, this is not turf territory. I'm like, okay, cool, 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 cool. And I don't necessarily engage as deep in deeply in the critique as I probably should. And I wonder if on a subsequent watch, I would feel differently. But because I felt it was so tied into the plot point, I don't think that I was looking at it with as much of a critical eye. And also, I think without realizing it, I was definitely doing the thing that you were doing where you were giving Decorno the benefit of the, the doubt. Benefit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I think is and I, fair. I want to. Yeah. yeah, it's fair. She, I trust her as a filmmaker. But at the same time, someone that doesn't come from our background, mm-hmm. and even if they loved Raw but didn't really, I guess, get it. And right. I think that, you know, from Ariel, what you said, that's kind of a thing mm-hmm. for right. Decorno right now. Mm-hmm. But And there's also moments like – when Alexia is posing as Adrian and she's dancing on top of the fire truck, she reverts back to this very feminine, sensual dancing mm-hmm. that came yes. from her past as an erotic dancer. Yeah. And like part of the dark humor there and part of the like sort of we don't know what else to do but laugh there, it's like, you know, it's I don't want to be like, oh, it's really weird and funny for someone who presents as male to dance so feminine, like because that's not. It's not supposed to be like there's nothing wrong with that just in the sense where it's like these homoerotic dance parties that the firehouse has like they almost feel like non sequiturs because it's like what Mm -hmm. the fuck like Mm -hmm. the first one is very tender the second one is very macho but they 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 are coded like super gay yeah (laughs) oh yeah they feel like very and it's like it's not. I don't want the takeaway to be like, LOL, what if men danced together, you know, and because that's not what I think her message was. Mm -mm. But I do think some people could read into it like that. And that's where you toe the line of like, you know, maybe it would have been better to have a more explicit takeaway. Mm. But like I said, I wrote like all of that off because I was like. She knows. I trust her, you know. <laughs> right. But right. I do, I, you know, in, in talking to Colleen, I was like, oh, yeah, that is, like, a really good point. And that's yeah. something that I, I don't want to, like, uh, you mm-hmm. know, my dissonance just, like, ignore it. Yeah. <laughs> but it is something that I was like, oh, yeah, there is a lot about gender here. Mm-hmm. And I'm choosing to just, like, because of my own thoughts about gender and I'm, you know, just having been in the circles that I run with, like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, it, it didn't even occur to me that it could be a problem mm-hmm. because yeah. that's not problematic to me. Right. But then yeah. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, for a lot of people, this is new. Yeah. Yeah, right. no, I definitely. Can definitely, definitely understand that. Especially because, the, like you were saying, the parts of her transformation from Alexia to Adrian that are viewed as sort of body horror and a little bit grotesque are things that somebody might actually do. But the fact is, she's she's not doing it because she wants to transform herself. No into a man she's just hiding hiding she's it's it's purely in her own Mm -hmm. self-interest and nothing to do with the gender she feels on the inside yeah so i can understand how that could be yeah that could be viewed by somebody as an issue i definitely definitely can see that but it didn't read that negatively to me and i think a lot of that comes from the emotional story between her and vincent Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm You know, and the fact that part of what we get out of that is that 
once he's sort of figured out who she is, I mean, he always knew that she wasn't his son, right? I mean, he was telling himself that somewhere yeah somewhere inside he yeah he somewhere wanted inside. it to be and, true yeah. yeah and you kind of get glimpses of that throughout and then finally when he sees her in the bathroom it's very clear right that she's not his son yeah and yet he is like he doesn't care he still mm-hmm. wants to love her unconditionally and there's something really beautiful about that message yeah i think there is critique to be had about some yeah. of the stuff with alexia adrian and that we've covered but I, one place where I think they get the gender stuff really well, I think it really lands well for me, and is kind of, the again, the wholesome part of this movie, mm-hmm. is in that Vincent character. He takes on a lot of the stereotypical kind of feminine traits. Like, he is the nurturer. He, yes. he Despite being... Go-taker. Yes! Despite being outwardly this extremely machismo kind of, you know, obsessed with his virility. And, you know, he's, he's using steroids or some you know like some, like human growth hormone something is going on right and yet he becomes this very unexpected sorry vehicle <laughs> who is kind of a counterpoint to toxic masculinity in terms of his actual character traits and i thought that it juxtaposed with all the stuff that is happening with yes. her gender presentation becomes a larger conversation about gender that i think is actually pretty great yeah, yeah i i totally agree and even some of the ways that De Cornell chooses to shoot him in the mm-hmm. scenes and the way that she does set, set decoration. So his bathroom, for instance, is all pink tile. Mm-hmm. And he's often lit in those scenes with some kind of light that's making him kind of glow this reddish pink color. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I do think that although he is obsessed with his muscles and like getting stronger and staying younger, and I do enjoy that part of it too, like his exploration of you know trying to stay young there is a sweetness a real sweetness and tenderness to him as a character and a real nurturing quality and yeah i think that's what makes the second half of the movie so powerful mm-hmm. he's wildly protective too yes. I mean, yeah he the won't moment... let anybody say a bad word about no Adrian or i mean and what's you know maybe not <laughs> for the I don't know. It's hard to say because he's doing such a service to Alexia by doing this, but it's like, you know, he, when they are first meeting who they assume is Adrian, the other fire folks, you know, they're like, oh, I didn't know Jesus was gay. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that. And it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, fuck off. And he's like, Vincent is so protective. And it's, that is one moment where I was like, yeah, that's our Alexia slash Adrian. Like, fuck off. Like, you know, like, and you do (laughs) feel a little protective and, you know, I'm still not rooting for Alexia because she's just so bad. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, oh, yeah, like now I'm feeling protective, too. Right. And mm-hmm. later, I mean, to an extreme when he they're in like the forest fire yeah. and the young guy's like, uh, hey, like, are you OK? Do you know my name? And then he's like, do you know her name? Mm. <laughs> and, uh, he, you know, Vincent reacts by killing him. It's, you know, they're he's unhinged, but yeah. it's also like. Man, he is going to whatever length he needs to to maintain this narrative, to have this sort of family dynamic that he's been missing and that this, like, I don't know, his trauma response to losing his son. Like, fuck yeah. me. It's so intense. It's yeah. so intense. And I think you also can tell how deeply lonely he's been. Oh, And yeah. I think that there's some of that in Alexia, too. I mean, I, I think that she has 
not necessarily a great grasp on emotions and maybe doesn't even have the ability to feel certain things. But I do think that she's lonely too because she responds so much to his love and attention. You know? I mean, the only connection we see her having is with a Cadillac. You know what exactly. I mean? Yes. Until exactly. she's forced into the situation where she, something in her, there's some part of her, You like you said, she's a sociopath. So I don't think it is, you know, the full range of emotion, but there yeah. is some kind of bond that's connected to them. I kept thinking about the name as Titan, right? Titan, Titan. I know I'm saying it wrong. Titan, um, but Titan. I've been saying it wrong too. <laughs> it, and that's supposed to be this unbreakable metal, right? Yeah. And I'm wondering if that thematically is coming back to these, that there are bo- like familial bonds yeah. and connections that when you find them are unbreakable kind of thing, that it would drive him mm. to becoming homicidal, that it would keep her there when normally she would kill someone and keep it moving. Well, and she tries. I mean, there is an attempt at escape right Mm -hmm. when they get to the house. Mm -hmm. Like, she bolts, and he's like, no, 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 no. And then there is, like, you know, he ODs in, I guess that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. Or he has a moment where he passes out, and Alexia leaves, and she gets on a bus, and she's on this, like, the bus scene is so strange, and Mm -hmm. also, like, it's like, there's a lot being said about gender and misogyny Mm -hmm. there, but it's, it's, for me, it wasn't even like Alexia was moved to do anything besides oh, no. be like, oh, yeah, like the rest of the world is so fucked. Like, at least I have this, you know, connection, yeah. I guess, in this new dad. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, you know, like she could have left. And and if, in the same vein, he could have been like, get the fuck out when he saw that this is definitely not Adrian. Mm-hmm. But they decide to... Yeah, you know, move forward and have this weird little family. And, mm-hmm. you know, is it healthy? No. Is it good? Still no. People died. But, <laughs> right. But it's like, it is, I mean, it's worth, it's worth just like taking in. It's you know, compelling. It's, is it's, it yes. definitely compelling. It's not it's healthy. Kind of what they both needed. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it is deeply compelling. And I think because he is all raw emotion, like he's skinless, essentially, that is my buy-in to that relationship. Like, if he was as nearly as cold as her, if it was two sociopaths that found each other, that would not have been compelling to me. But because he's just such a wound, it worked. That balance of those two characters worked for me. Like, I was invested in, like, soften her up. Come on, you can do it. I mean, obviously, that's not the movie we're watching. But those are the emotions it was evoking in me. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. But I also think part of why I buy into it is I just, as awful as she would be in reality... I find a lot of things about Alexia to be, again, I'm going to use the word compelling because I I cannot be canceled for compelling, right? Okay. Um, And I think it's, and it's the same thing that was in, there's a through line between her character and Justine from Raw and it's that they do, they internalize absolutely nothing. Everything about them is externalized. If they feel something, everything that they do is externalized often violently. And I respond very well to angry violent women in films. I just do. <laughs> and I think it's because they do not do, or especially Alexia does not do the thing that we all have done. No matter like how, you know, powerful we are, there have, there have been moments in our life where we have had to smile through moments as yeah. a way of protecting ourselves in dangerous situations. We turn on the smile and you make nice, you play nice to try to just extract yourself. And Alexia never does that in this movie. If somebody does not, there is not consent. If someone touches her non-consensually or even sometimes when they do, she will 
strike out violently. She will flinch away from touches she does not want. She will. She never plays nice. Everything is always on her terms. Even when that guy starts kissing her, she takes control of the situation and turns it on. And I think there's something weirdly, on a fantasy level only, weirdly cathartic <laughs> about watching her stick a you know knitting needle through the ear oh, of some absolutely. would-be rapist. And yeah. then throughout the rest of the film, refuse to allow people to touch her or engage with her in ways that she does not want. She's no ally because she leaves that woman on the bus. But there's there is something about that that to me I don't know there is some fan, like wish fulfillment in her yeah definitely which maybe says things I maybe I shouldn't be saying that out loud <laughs> I don't know <laughs> no no I mean I think that's that's part of what that scene was trying to do too I think there was definitely catharsis when she stabs him in the ear mm-hmm. and even some of the other times she kills people and I think that for me anyways her storyline with Vincent. Even though I knew she was a serial killer and she had murdered people who didn't deserve to be killed, I still found myself wanting that relationship to stay whole. You yeah. know, anytime there was sort of a threat where it felt like maybe it would all fall apart. You were like, no. I w- yeah, I was a little <laughs> sad about that. Are we totally <laughs> sick in the head, Caitlin? <laughs> no. Well, and that's the thing. It's like I... Because, you know, I, I, my initial read on this was, like, wholly positive. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And then, you know, in discussion, uh, and I needed it to, like, mm-hmm. have some more perspective about mm-hmm. how this could be perceived otherwise. Yeah, sure. And I'm still very positive on it. And it's funny. If someone listens to this and they also listen to the Plug It Up episode, they're going to be like, she don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> she just skips, like, whatever anyone else says. She's like, yeah. But it's one of those things where, like, your feelings do evolve and – sure. This movie is I, uh, a kaleidoscope, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> you can evolve. You can, yeah. I, you can hate it tomorrow and love it the next day. I think every reaction to this movie is correct. Yeah. <laughs> well, I and I just, that. you know, it's the body horror alone. And there are so many, like I said, so many threads. And I was like, like I said, I just felt like I was seeing myself holding all these pieces. And I'm <gasps> like, I, I don't think they go together. But, like, I'm holding them. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, I don't know. Like, help. It, it, this movie is sand through your fingers. Which is why it's so amazing mm. that it somehow holds together under Corno's Dur- direction. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, it doesn't make sense on paper. No. Like, that's like when I, when I said that, you know, you can listen to the synopsis and still... It's not going to mean no. the same as when you see no, it. because that's it's, very true. Seeing it played out is just totally different. It doesn't make sense on paper because it doesn't make sense plot-wise. But that's okay because very few things, I guess, in life do. Right. <laughs> I mean, this thing is messy as hell. But it never feels, at least to me, it never felt like it was spinning out of control. No, it always felt like she had a handle on what she wanted to say and where she was going with the movie. And I think that's kind of her strength because it's that same way with Raw, too, where all of these, you know, crazy things are happening, but you can feel her through line and her director's hand, you know. And I, Rachel, I think part of that's what, because, you know, because of what you said about Alexia being so firm in who she is, mm-hmm. it's like, if we have nothing else, like, to guide us through this, it's that Alexia is going to do what Alexia wants <laughs> right, to do. Right. You know? So it's like, you know, yeah, all this chaotic and seemingly unrelated shit is happening. But like Ariel said, we trust the core now because she knows what she is doing. And I know Alexia as a character is not going to do anything that, like, you know, I can hold on to that mm-hmm. if nothing else. Like, she's just going to... You know, totally. she's in the driver's seat again. Uh-huh. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I first started watching this movie, 
I had heard that there was some sort of sexy car thing. And <laughs> so we get to the dancing on top of the car and I was like, oh, okay, oh. this, this check <laughs> gyrating and humping the hood of a car must be what people were talking about. Oh no. I was wrong. And I was just like so blown away because <laughs> that scene is is again very deeply strange and very odd and absolutely not what I expected to see in a movie. But somehow in DeCorno's hands, it makes sense. And there's yeah. something like Rachel was saying, really beautiful about it. I mean, even the way she's tied up with the seat belts where they mm-hmm. look like shibari ropes, it's beautiful. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool shot. I yeah. do know that she put orchestral music over it because she wanted to create the juxtaposition of the profane and the sacred mm, in that scene. Yeah. And I didn't get that, that when I was watching it. I was busy doing other things. But I was like, <laughs> I think maybe on a subconscious level, I caught that there was like other things happening. I was distracted. <laughs> yeah. No, but I've been listening absolutely. to the score all day. And it, that is one of the things. That, like, <laughs> I mean, listen, like I'm Tori Amos is like my thing. Oh, like, so sacred 100. and profane is like uh-huh. all my shit. Uh-huh. You but are like, our soulmate. I, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> but I was I was laughing because Jim Williams uh, did much of the score, mm-hmm. and it's just so funny to me that like <laughs> he has no time to like come up with nuanced titles because it's like one track is called Beach Puke, one is called <laughs> Car Fuck. <you> know, like, <laughs> It's like, we are pulling no punches here. (laughs) This is car fuck scene. But at the same time, it's funny that that's the shorthand for it. But there are so many layers where it is like orchestral, almost like Mm -hmm. climactic. Uh You know, it's got got those beats to it. And it's also like heavy and almost like engine revy, even though it's not played out like specifically Mm -hmm. and explicitly like that. But it's like, it's got those undertones and it's like, damn, it's so thoughtful that mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm furious that you're this smart. Right. Like, <laughs> that is a personal attack on my intellect. <laughs> so when uh, Julia DeCornell was struggling to come up with her script when she was having writer's block, she actually started to have graphic nightmares about giving birth to pieces of a car, Whoa. one piece of metal at a time. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh god Damn. so there is a price to having that mind is what you're yes. saying yeah. yeah i mean she talks about the writing process as being torturous mm-hmm. and really really lonely but that she started out when she was in school studying screenwriting and then she quickly decided she wanted to direct as well because she realized in making a short film that if you just write the script you don't have control over anything later mm. Yeah. And that directing really is sort of that second step because in your choice of camera angles and lighting yeah. and where it gets edited and where it doesn't, that is storytelling too. And she wanted the whole process Thank God. to be under her control. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, this script in, in the wrong hands, Ooh. I mean, oh, like man. we talked about how it toes the line, especially with, if you're not sort of in it the way we are for mm-hmm. decor now and for feminism and things like that but yeah in the wrong hands this could have michael been bay just yeah. like michael bay's oh, detained right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god the snyder cut to oh, no. <laughs> man especially Ooh. because there's so little dialogue in this so many of the choices i'm sure would be would have been made by the director so it could have gone in a yeah. very different direction yeah yeah for something that's so wild this is very controlled in terms of like it's it's very intentional mm-hmm. very controlled and i think that's one of the things i like so much about it and one of the reasons i respect 
Decorno so much is it's extremely thoughtful filmmaking. Yeah. It's, even when, you know, we, we talked about that, like, uh, it might have been a little careless not to have a, a stronger or more mm-hmm. sort of precise takeaway when, when we're looking at these questions of, like, gender or when we're looking at these questions of, like, a forged family connection. At the same time, it's like, there's not a piece of this that wasn't fully thought through. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> score, direction, camera angles, like, it's it's very intentional. And I love I love when movies are like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So the last sort of theme we have not, although I, yeah. I say last unless there's something Ariel also wants to no, no, no. go go for it. But, Get into it. But obviously we have not really talked about monstrous motherhood. And I think we would yeah. be remiss to have yeah. <laughs> the queen of plug it up herself oh. on the show and not touch <laughs> on monstrous motherhood. I'm guessing that is something that stood out to you. Did you have any any thoughts on that subject, Caitlin? You know, when I was laying out my notes for the episode of Plug It Up, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's a real tenuous connection here. I the the way I'm thinking about it is Alexia is a monster and yeah. she happens to be, you know, gestating. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and that's sort of like our main connection there. I also like she's giving birth and gestating something that's not entirely human mm-hmm. and that's monstrous in and of itself. Like she is a monster. She is going through something monstrous during her pregnancy yes. because, you know, she's <laughs> when the baby's born, it's got a metal spine. Like yeah. it's like, yeah, there are a lot of monstrous beats here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's just so interesting to have this be a component of a horror movie. And it's like, it's the backdrop and it's the thread that takes us sort of like from point A to point B and carries us through to the end. Mm-hmm. And it's not inconsequential because she dies. You know, she dies in childbirth. Like, yeah. it's not like it's inconsequential, but at the same time, it is very much a backdrop, which is right. It's not so the inciting the force that gets her out right. on the road. You know what I mean? It, right. just, yeah. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. Please continue. And well, no, and that's what I. Like that's all I got. I feel like yeah. it's so you know it's it's there, but it's it's not like any other monstrous motherhood movie I've covered because right. it's so. I mean, she doesn't want it. She's she's engaging with it only to hide it. Yeah, you know it, it's 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 a take that I haven't seen before, mm-hmm. and I could say that about like every aspect of this movie. It's yeah, like nothing I've <laughs> yeah. seen before. But yeah, I, what did you guys pull from it? So. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel a little bit the same way. I mean, I think that it's trying to also communicate sort of how out of control your body is yes. when you're going through pregnancy, how little control you have over what's happening to your body. And I also think that, you know, Alexia has such a hard time making any connection with a human, like a person, mm-hmm. right? And that she has sex with this car, I think, in a lot of ways because she can have a deeper, more intimate connection with this car than she has the ability to have with people until maybe she meets Vincent. So the fact that she becomes pregnant in that way and is forced to go through a deeply human thing, you know, with pregnancy is sort of maybe forcing her to confront her humanity a little bit. Well, it makes her feel something, yeah. even if that thing is just pain. Right, exactly. She's so unflinching when she's breaking her nose, for instance. Like, she, you can tell that it hurts, but she doesn't shy away from it. She's like, All right, we got to get this yeah. job done. You know? yep. And she's, I guess the most humanized she is, is when she's in this, like, incredible continued pain of trying to 
bind down her her pregnant belly bind down her breasts yeah and she's like leaking and it's hurting and i mean that's one of the most human parts that we get of her is her pain Mm -hmm. and it's like it's rough that it's because of a pregnancy like it's so weird i don't even know how to analyze it but it's you know it's it's that's our one sort of like and she's afraid, I guess, a little bit mm-hmm. at the end when he, yeah. she, she wants Vincent to deliver her baby and stay there with yeah. her. But that's about as human as we can get from her. Yeah, the, I was going to point, I'm glad you brought that up, the thing at the at the very end, the one time she actually asked for something from someone else is for him to stay because she's scared. She expresses yeah. an actual emotion one time in yeah. the film. The other thing is, <laughs> and I have not thought this through yet, but I'm wondering if there's something here about getting pregnant in the backseat of a car and having to carry a... Mm-hmm. an unplanned pregnancy to term mm. is there something there i don't know i haven't unpacked it but i will say for me the things that were standing out and i cannot this would normally be the center of a film right the way yeah. that <laughs> her body like you said becomes a stranger to her the way that she starts producing these unnatural fluids or fluids that she's yeah. never produced before all those kinds of things that are kind of grotesque but actually a part of pregnancy or carrying this stranger inside your body and how it is leaching nutrition from your body. All those kinds of things to me are parts of what makes pregnancy, which I know it's beautiful. It's a miracle. Oh, you know, whatever. <laughs> the continuation of the species, all that jazz, but like, it's also super <laughs> grotesque and alien. And so typically in a body whore pregnancy film, that would be the crux of the movie, but it's just one of the flavors in this wackadoo stew. And I yeah. don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it's also unwanted, yeah. which like, yeah. you know, there are a couple of, you know, I'm struggling to come up with examples right now, but there are like a couple of, I would consider monstrous motherhood movies where the pregnancy was unplanned or, you know, mm-hmm. unwanted. But I mean, we get, we see her like, again, unflinchingly try to abort yeah. at home. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's, I think you're onto something there, Rachel, that it's like, yeah, she got pregnant in the back of the car. She's hiding the pregnancy and she doesn't want it. It's, it's, uh, you know, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's hitting some of those beats. And I didn't pick up on that until you said it, but it is, it's a different take on what it's, you know, on this like sort of monstrous motherhood journey. <laughs> and it gets into some weird Papa Don't Preach territory with going and staying <laughs> with dad. I don't know. I don't know. There's, like I said, we could really tinfoil hat out on this movie so easily because there's just (laughs) so much there there that when we scratch the surface it's just like you could really go down some some avenues oh yeah all right how about you ariel anything else or i guess we could shift into maybe our cons if we haven't already covered them yeah yeah no that's fine okay do you have any things that maybe about the movie that didn't work for you that we haven't already touched on so I would say that, and I think we already talked about this a little bit, but the way in which the first half of the movie works, and then we sort of quickly go from the airport, and then bam, we're in this police station, and it becomes a little bit of a quieter movie after Mm. that, felt a little jarring to me. I do feel like that switch from sort of being grisly and fast and brutal to the family drama that we get Mm. later... I think maybe that that's intentional and it's supposed to feel a little jarring because Mm -hmm. it would to our main character going through that, you know, and like maybe we're supposed to be on that journey with her, but it did feel a little bit disconnected for me at that Mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. And then the only other real thing for me was that we have this one character who 
before Adrian or Alexia comes into the picture is his is Vincent's kind of mentee in the fire department, somebody who he's taken under his wing and training. And there's sort of this weird kind of almost competition thing going on with him and Alexia. And he, you know, knows sort of her secret and, you know, is trying to tell Vincent and Vincent won't have it. And I, I just wish that had been explored Mm. and elaborated on a little bit more because it felt a little bit unfinished to me. He was a good character. Like I I really appreciated, I like that they didn't, you know, he was aggressive and he didn't shy away, but we also, it's not like we got a ton of him because Vincent just shuts it down. Yeah. That's true. And Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, I, I really enjoyed just watching him. Mm -hmm. He, he had a really interesting dynamic and it really solidified like, we were like, okay, is Vincent, like, off the deep end? Yes, he is. Okay, cool. <laughs> Check. That's, yeah. But yeah. I, I enjoyed watching him on screen, for sure. And how about you, Caitlin? Did you have any things that maybe we haven't touched on that didn't work for you about this movie? Not really. I, I like I said, I think that some questions have been raised that are very fair. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. absolutely. But at the same time, I I do sort of, like, trust the process here. And my feelings are continuing to evolve. Like, I, when people asked me when I first left, like, what did you think? I was like, I don't know. Like, it's so hard <laughs> to say. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that, like I said, I keep imagining myself holding these pieces. And I think I'm finally putting them together. Mm-hmm. I struggled a little bit after I first watched this about like what's the takeaway like I and at first I was like well maybe there doesn't have to be a takeaway and that can be kind of frustrating because we've just sat through this like intense shit yeah and it's like I want to take something away and I, I do think that I'm finally sort of settling in a place where my takeaway is that you know two fundamentally fucked up people mm-hmm. can forge connection yes even if it's based on folly even if it's based on necessity and you know it doesn't we, we don't have to say that decorum is making a statement yeah like yes good or no bad right but it's like i'm i'm finally putting it together mm-hmm. and i think that was my biggest criticism and my biggest struggle when I first saw this was like, I just don't know mm-hmm. what I'm supposed to take sure. away. And now I'm like, okay, well maybe there's not one. And if there is, this is the one I'm pulling and I'm, I'm comfortable landing there. But overall, I, I mean, this is going to, you know, top five for sure. Yeah. I'm just not sure where it's going <laughs> to Right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fair. And yeah, Caitlin, I think that, I think you're definitely right about the themes here. And in interviews, DeCornow has mostly talked about how, she wants people to see this as like a, a true like love story and a found family, mm. you know, people awesome. coming together because they're so lonely and need that connection. So yeah. I do think we were supposed to get that from the movie. I tend to want to read movies as prescriptive. And and I think this is mm-hmm. one of those cases where it's just not. No, no. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it has to be. But it's, it makes yeah. it com- more complicated. It makes, but sure. And I totally, I hear what you're saying, Caitlin. I think you're out. I'm on the same page with you of like, I know I like this movie because it rattled me in a way that I yes. found exciting. You know what I mean? But if you were to ask me, like, what is the point of this movie? I think your answer is the best one we could we could possibly come up with. <laughs> because uh, as you were saying that, I was like, I don't have an answer. If she asks me, I'm not going to be able to answer. And, and I think, but uh, yeah, I just think it's a bit of a mirror. 
but I hope not. But also kind of, I don't really know. I, I just know that I'm very much in the honeymoon phase with this movie. So maybe a week from now, I'm going to have more sure. criticism of it. But I just, I don't know, man. I was just wowed by this. Wow. <laughs> and I'm, it's a lot to hold. It's a lot to behold. Yes. It's like yes. A- you know, and this is one that I'm excited I, for other people to see because I want to yes. live vicariously through that experience again. I want to watch other people watch this movie. Well, it's it's rare when you're as seasoned as we are mm-hmm. with with film and with horror. Mm-hmm. It's like not a lot shocks me anymore. Right. And like I said, the truly shocking moments of this weren't like the the, the you know stool leg through the guy's head. No, it's like the shocking moments were like the intimate moments of knowing how strained her body yes. is knowing how like terribly you know lonely vincent is mm-hmm. and it's like i don't know movies don't really do that for me a lot anymore no. and i've never seen anything like this and i'm like that's something like that's significant yeah to be affected so profoundly by a movie i mean that doesn't happen every day you know who i feel bad for <laughs> julia de cornell <laughs> if she thought she had writer's block after raw where do you go from here <laughs> where do you go i i don't I know, know but i'll tell you what wherever it is caitlin you better come back <laughs> oh i will i, I, mean, I mean hopefully before then okay me. good 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 i like yes. it <laughs> rachel was your con around the actual birth scene dude <laughs> <laughs> dude. so for me my soul left my body during the uh, attempted abortion scene Ooh, because they they focus too. so much on her face and the pain she's going in through as she do, as she's doing it. I was just like, Ugh. and it but also hits a little imagine... different in twenty twenty one, right? Yeah. But I, <laughs> yeah, but I can definitely imagine the birth scene being Ooh, yeah something that did it for you. Yeah, so I'm very uncomfortable during. Like I can watch gore, I can watch like oh, kind, I can watch a woman have sex with a car and i'm like yeah (laughs) but birth scenes i can't i don't know what it is they freak me out i feel on one hand i feel like just it's a a very intense experience but also i feel like what's the thing where you feel embarrassed for other people i'm thinking about the actor i'm just thinking about that poor actor making her scrunchy face (laughs) in front of a room full of people and grunting i was thinking about the way it was filmed because she's new Mm -hmm. and vincent I mean, she's got Vincent like opens her legs so that she's, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. not in like a sexually aggressive way, but just like he opens up her legs so that she can give birth and she's fully embraced. Like they have their arms locked, like not their hands, but their full arms. Yeah. Like the length of their arms are locked together and she's like heaving and like pressing down into his like to to get this baby out. And it's like. That is an extremely vulnerable place for her to be in as an yes, actor. Yes. And to have this, you know, much older gentleman. Like, regardless, I'm, I'm sure he's lovely, but it's still, it's, it's like, a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> sure. I, I mean, I hope it's a sign that they totally have great trust in DeCorno and she's developed that relationship on set, you know, that to make someone feel safe to, I mean, just be able to create that scene. But I, I yeah. mean, the, yeah, the vulnerability. <laughs> And the awkwardness. I don't know. I get like, ah! <laughs> so this thing was like a 10 on that scale. So this was, it was funny because I was like, <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what's going to happen next. And then my next message at Discord was like, oh no, not that. <laughs> <laughs> and then my immediate was like, oh my God, I didn't warn you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh I mean, God. I should have seen it coming, but it was still, it still managed yeah. to exceed my expectations. So I actually think this is one of the more realistic birth scenes. No, I don't tell me that. (laughs) (laughs) I have, I have been a party to three births over the course of my life. 
including two that were home births. And I have been a party to my own. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> <In> no, <laughs> just, no, just the way that like Caitlin was describing the way she's gripping onto him and kind of rolling into herself. That all felt very real to me from oh, what God. i've seen oh, i mean i've never experienced it myself but you know as an onlooker <laughs> okay well, now i'm leaving I mean, my body <laughs> even watching her and i i had forgotten about this until i rewatched it but the scene kind of cuts like she does the dance on top of the fire truck mm-hmm. she goes and has sex with a vehicle again as you do vincent is like oh my yeah, god i forgot about that second one <laughs> yeah <laughs> vincent is like lighting his chest on fire yes. because who oh. knows why and then, like, we see her in labor pains, and she staggers out in the daylight, and she's fully yeah. nude and staggering and in so much pain, doubling over, falling down. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, my God. I forgot, like, how brutal it is. Because it's Incredibly not like it's, brutal. you know, a movie thing where it's like, oh, time for baby. It's like, oh, it's building this. Her body's been under so much stress, and she's in incredible pain and, like, found her way over to where Vincent is for help. And it's like, ooh, God. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, it is very, very intense. And all of the body horror stuff leading up to it is intense, too. That scene where she's scratching and then her finger perforates her stomach mm. and goes through. Blah. And it's bloodless. <laughs> that was a big one. And it's bloodless. Yeah. Ah, yes. And it's like shiny metal underneath. <laughs> yeah, it's really freaky. I was like, get some back teen on that girl. Like, that does not I know. look healthy. I was like, oh, God. Like, don't use an ace bandage, but also, like, refresh it. Get a new one. <laughs> yeah. Stop using the same one. Oh, my God. This oh. movie. What have you done, Caitlin? What have you done? <laughs> <laughs> you started this with Raw. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and I I'm so glad. Yay. Awesome. Okay. Any final thoughts? I know it's getting late where you are. I don't want to keep you up super late. Yeah. Honestly, I could talk about this for another like five hours, but we should probably wrap it up. I know. I know. I know. And also monopolizing all of Caitlin's time is my, yes. is my new favorite thing to do. So, I love so it. So good. I, I, I'll say I, I ended up buying this, a digital copy of uh-huh. this, and I wasn't expecting to when I first left the theater because I was like, I don't know what to make of this. I'm so confused. Yeah. And I am still forming. My, I mean, like, it's it's a lot to process. Mm-hmm. I'm still forming my opinions, even though it's been, you know, the episode I released today on on Titan, I recorded a few weeks ago. So it's, you know, it's I'm like on my Titan sort of like processing journey. Yeah. yeah. But it's. I didn't think initially it'd be one that I'd want to watch again. Yeah. Not saying I didn't like it, but I'm surprised that I bought it and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll probably just put on Titan. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, know, like really? I don't know like, what it says if I'm like, oh, just, yeah, put it on in the background. <laughs> right. But I think it's going to become one of those for me and I didn't expect Would that. you say it needs oh, to gestate? It t- <laughs> oh my god! I mean, listen, some movies are a little bit more labor than others, but eventually, <laughs> I, mean, I hate my personality. Catalog positive. positive is like my favorite thing you've ever said. Oh, that was good. Put it on a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> awesome. Okay, great. I think uh, maybe let's just give our final recommendations. Would you recommend this movie, Caitlin? I would. How about yeah. you, Miss Ariel? I would. I don't think everybody's going to like it, but I would recommend it 100%. Family movie night is for everyone. <laughs> no, this is definitely not. Someone asked us when we were watching, we were like discussing it last night if this is for normies. I would say probably no. However, for people in your life who like 
to be challenged by a movie who enjoy body horror or that you just kind of want to see what they'll do. I say yes. <laughs> yeah. Easy yes. <laughs> I can't wait for John Schnars to watch this. Dude, I mean, like, oh I've been waiting. Gosh. I'm like, you have to watch we this. We need to yeah. bring back sophistical cinema. I I need, <laughs> I need him to cover this. And then that'll be your excuse to watch Violation. Because I also want to hear him synopsize <laughs> oh Violation. God, that would be amazing. <laughs> Can you just put that bug in his ear that sophistical needs to come back? <laughs> I will. I mean, and honestly, like with Lamb, I haven't seen Lamb yet. But there's like, there's a lot of strange motherhood moments yes. happening right now. That's true. That is yeah. next on my watch list. So let's compare mm-hmm. notes when we've seen Lamb. <laughs> yeah. amazing okay so we've got to hear our thoughts we want to hear your thoughts like we said i think it is fascinating to hear people's responses to this movie and you can reach us lots of different ways you can reach us at rachel zombiegirls.com you can come chat with us on the facebook page or you can hit us up on instagram or twitter at zg podcasts plural if you are looking for something spooky to watch tonight and you've already watched Titan five times because, like, that's how many times it requires, <laughs> you can check out our video on demand and streaming calendar at the Zombie Girls website. That's zombiegirlsgrrlz.com. And uh, if you want to look really flossy in some new fancy duds, check out our per- merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. And if you love us and want to support us, you can always do that with our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombiegirls. So I guess that just leaves what we have planned for the next episode, and it is a Rachel pick. So I have selected something that I think it is seasonally appropriate. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So I will say one kind of sign that things are – we've talked about this. Like it feels like things are changing and more and more women. So it was time to pick something, and I'm like, it's the holidays. In the past, there was one or two options. There is a new – horror film coming out in december that is christmas theme that is woman directed oh that's so awesome because last year we did black christmas and i was legit wondering what we could possibly do this year (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm not really uh, i said a couple but really the only one i could think of was black christmas i was like are we just gonna review it again (laughs) see if our opinions have changed Well, good news. We have a new one. So this one is coming out in December, or actually, I think maybe early December. So you will be able to hear that or watch it by the time that this episode drops. It is going to be on AMC and AMC Plus, and I'm guessing on, you know, probably some other VOD platforms, but for sure on AMC Plus. And it is the film Silent Night. Have you heard anything about this? No. So... I have been hearing whispers for a minute about this. It's supposed to be pretty good, but pretty dark. (laughs) Uh, Oh, okay. Okay. Sold. (laughs) So this is directed by Camille Griffin, and it stars Kira Knightley and Matthew Good, which are both actors I really enjoy. Yeah. And here's the synopsis. Neil, Simon, and their son, Art, are ready to welcome friends and family for what promises to be the perfect Christmas gathering. Perfect except for one thing. Everyone is going to die. (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas! (laughs) Awesome. So what do you think? Are you into it? Yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. I love Christmas-themed horror. Yeah. Winter horror. Yeah. So yeah, this is awesome. I know we just just had halloween and thanksgiving is still in the future 
But I am so ready for Christmas. <laughs> My partner was humming a Christmas song the other day. I mean, it was like he had retooled the lyrics to be about our cats because that's the kind of, of house course. I live in. Uh-huh. And I, I got that Christmas shiver. I was like, oh, Aww. it's coming. Oh, well, you guys really love Christmas. So, yeah. yeah. I'm a Christmas nut. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Oh, that's going to be so much fun. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Okay, great. Everyone watch Silent Night and we will talk about it in two weeks. So unless you are sticking around for the extended episode where, Ariel, I'm going to be telling you, I think, obviously, you know, we like to stay on theme a little bit. So I thought maybe we would talk about object sexuality. What do you think? Oh, <laughs> okay. I, I guess that's very fitting considering Tatane. <laughs> right? I mean, that's kind of a basic plot point in this. And yeah. it's it's both fantastical in the film, but also based on a real thing. That should be interesting. <laughs> so that'll be fun. So stick around and listen to that if you are a patron. I also want to give you another chance, Caitlin, first of all, to thank you again for coming on the show. Yes, thank you so much. You have no idea how much we adore you and value your your thoughts and appreciate your time. It's so much fun doing the show with you and getting to know you. And we just we just think you're the best. And obviously, huge fan of your other podcasts. (laughs) Huge, huge fans of Plug It Up and Bloody Good Horror. Do you want to take a minute just to plug what you got going on on your shows? Yeah, I mean, still sort of trucking along as usual for Plug It Up. I'm uh, I, I'm going to try to be hitting some of the newer releases. Mm-hmm. I I had, like, grand plans when I first started and had scheduled out movies for, like, three years. And I was like, okay, this is a little much. <laughs> and even Eric was like, um, just FYI, I, I, I don't, don't do that. And I was like, no, I'm going to do it. And he was right. So uh, I'm... Mixing up my schedule a little bit to allow myself to to incorporate some new movies because like this one and Lamb, there's mm-hmm. a lot that I want to put in. Yeah, but yeah, and then Bloody Good Horror has been has been great. We are this week covering Paranormal Activity: Next of Kin. Um, there are so many movies that I want to get in before the end mm-hmm. of 2021 so that I can accurately make my first bgh that's you know, so yes. we've been hearing <laughs> eric's but we have not i have no idea what's on yours i'm very curious i'm super curious and i have to say caitlin that you have been like a breath of fresh air on that show rachel mm-hmm. and i have both been listening to bloody good horror for years, years. and years and years mm-hmm. but one of my new favorite things about the show is when you call the guys out too <laughs> one you just have a very different opinion than a lot of them and that's always exciting but two i sort of love these little teaching moments you're throwing in (laughs) well thank you i felt like so bad one time ariel were you on i don't oh no 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 (laughs) rachel you're on and uh it was the spiral episode and john said something like he pronounced the name wrong and i was like Or he was like, what kind of name is that? I was like, um, it's a foreign name, you racist. And I was like, oh, that's probably like a little harsh, but I obviously don't think John's racist. No. But those little moments have been fun. And yeah, he like apologized yeah, I've, I've after we wrapped. He was like, you guys, I'm really worried about this. <laughs> very sweet. He's such a sweetheart. And I was like, oh, I'm just ribbing you, buddy. But no, it's it's been so fun. And I... I do have – I haven't made my top ten list, but I have Eric's updated uh-huh. because, he, you know, he needs <laughs> some help updating his list. And I'm, like, furious looking at it. So you know, mine will be really? different. But Oh, good. Can you subtly I mean, adjust it when he's not looking? <laughs> 
I'm so ready for Psycho Gorman to get bumped. Oh! I just, oh, oh no. I'm so ready. Saint Maud got bumped. That's that wild. Yeah, that's to me. crazy. That's wild. The stylist censor Saint Maud. I was like, Eric, this is just yeah. So sad. That's wild. All three of those. Over there's a couple on his list that I'm always like, ooh, yeah. ooh. but I mean uh-huh. it's subjective, right? People are allowed no, to be and wrong. that's what's fun about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's been so nice and like you know, it's it's funny. I, <laughs> I take like full credit because Eric loves having you guys on, Aww, and I'm like, oh yeah, nice. my finds, Eric, yeah. <laughs> like my people, <laughs> like you know, I fully am like, yes, yes, that was yeah, all me. Absolutely. I'm I'm good about this. Oh, that's amazing <laughs> to hear because Ariel can tell you every time I'm after after it, I'm like, well, I ruined it. They'll never invite us back. <laughs> <laughs> I said like 15 stupid things. Never again. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> It's always so much fun when y'all are it's on. It's very fun being on there with it you is. guys. It is. It is really yeah. fun. Yeah. And I'm so, so glad that we've gotten to be friends with you. And and I, I'm excited to see all the stuff we're going to do in the future together, I hope, because we have officially glommed on. Here are friends, whether you like yep. it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I love okay, it. Good. <laughs> oh, and you also have uh, another podcast, don't you, Kate? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How have we not talked about yeah. that? You have a third one somehow. Yes. <laughs> I'm so stupid. No, 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 no. I, I do films at first sight with uh, Joe Ferry. And Joe Joe's a patron of BGH. That's how we met. And we were on the same trivia team at the BGH Chicago meetup. And we've become really close. And I have a tendency to watch the same things over and over again. Sure. And Joe is really good about watching new things. And uh, that's sort of the whole concept is watching something for the first time. So I'm showing him some things. He's showing me some things. We're having people on. Um I am thrilled because I like my not so secret shame is I fucking love Mamma Mia. Mm-hmm. And like the big like through line joke for the whole podcast yes. is like, I'm gonna get Joe to watch Mamma Mia. <laughs> and it's finally happening. Oh, oh, it is. <laughs> oh my gosh, I cannot uh, wait. So. I'm just so yeah, excited it's... about the handmaiden. That's honestly, I think if not the next one in my queue, like the one after, because I, I'm hoping you guys liked it because it's based on my favorite book. <laughs> I was blown away. Like a top 10 of all time immediately. Oh, like, I was amazing. Like, oh, wow. I mean, it is. This is so good. A movie that is a lot. It is a movie that is very much a lot. But I love <laughs> yeah. it. Oh, I'm so excited. I really am happy with how the episode turned out. Oh, and good. like, God, what a beautiful movie. But we've had so much fun. Joe is just, Joe is so smart and he's so funny. Mm-hmm. And he would hate that I said either of those things, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> he has such good podcast chemistry. You yeah, guys just very totally true. vibe. But then maybe that's just, well, you just have you. chemistry, like with everyone. <laughs> maybe that's a <laughs> Caitlin thing. <laughs> There have been some episodes of shows I've done where I'm like, all right, going to have to edit this down to like 20 minutes because of like, you know, nonsense. So not everyone's a banger, but, and not with films at first sight, but like, you know, any podcast. I, yeah. I've, I think one of my like favorites was um, you with the stone dentist doing teeth. Oh my God. <laughs> that was what? so funny. I, I love, I mean, I could tell there were times where you're like, rain it in <laughs> I, I can hear that's, it, it uh, that's the also the edited it. cut yeah. like oh, that, no. the uh, raw cut of that is like two and a half hours and <laughs> I was like Matt <laughs> this is fucking crazy that's I was hilarious. just like oh god I've known Matt for so long and I adore him yeah. and I'm also like I'm like 
dude, you're so nuts. Like this. It was is- a great episode. For, I know it was a lo- like a lot of labor because you had to do a lot of editing, but man, that episode it was I was worth cracking it. up. It was great, great, great stuff. It was a vulnerable one for me mm-hmm. with with the stuff I talked yeah, about. Absolutely. But I was like, what am I not going to have Matt on for teeth? Like, <laughs> I have to have Matt on for teeth. He's a dentist. Oh god, that's such a great movie. I thought about that movie a lot when we were watching this too. That she sort of like mm. externalized vagina tentata, but. Anyway, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We probably should wrap it up. Speaking of keeping Caitlin on for far too long, we probably should go ahead and wrap it up. First of all, thank you again, Caitlin. You're amazing. Yeah, this is great. Thank you. This is the best. I love doing this. Anytime. Literally, if there's a movie that comes up and you're like, you're like woman directed, just know that oh, we, will, yeah. we will shift our schedule. Up. You let yes. us know. 100%. 100%. <laughs> thank you. All right, Ariel. Take us out. All right, guys, that's been another episode of the More Deadly Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this very special one where we had Caitlin Grant on and we talked about Tatan. It was so much fun and so very, very weird. We hope you enjoyed it and we'll catch you next time. Bye, everybody. And it's pronounced Tatan. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening and to my co-host and good friend Ariel for always teaching me something new. Production on this episode was done by yours truly and edited by Ariel. Our theme song for the show is More Deadly by DJ Chardon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the extended episode where things are about to get very sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Are you ready to get very sexy with me? I don't know. I think that's the, the way you're saying answer. it is making me a little nervous. <laughs> well, it's very rare that you and I get to get very sexy together. That's true. So I have to that's take true. full advantage. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you consent to being very sexy with yes, me? Yes, okay. yes. Go right ahead. Because <laughs> <laughs> consent is the is the sexiest yes. part of sex. <laughs> and I don't mean that sarcastically. <laughs> I know it sounded like it because I took a pause to like have a sip of my LaCroix limoncello, but which, by the way, have you had one of these things? No. And I I know it's called LaCroix. I was being pretentious. Um, So there is a flavor that is limoncello that is magic. Oh, really? I mean, I've had lemon flavor. Oh, no, no. Water a lot, but. Lemon is my, it was prior, was my favorite of the flavors. Okay. It goes lemon, lime. Um, Pomplemousse, uh-huh, everything else one. is trash. <laughs> <laughs> These are facts. I'm sorry. I don't make the rules. They're just facts or facts, America. Okay. <laughs> but there is a new flavor on the block. I don't know how new it is, but it's new to my palate. So we're going to call it new because I, I'm a goldfish and I don't know. But it is limoncello. And it, it I that it does not have sugar in it is in, it is it is impossible to make it tastes but it doesn't have fake sugar any no either it's literally just a lacroix it's just okay. a lacroix same huh. sparkling waters uh, this is not an ad although i would happily take their money uh, <laughs> Me too. i would really take anybody's money at this point <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> yes um no but it's so it's like the lemon flavor but it has vanilla in it and so it like Ooh. tricks your brain into thinking it's sweet Oh, okay. That makes sense. But it's yeah. not. So it's like the most delicious soda because like I can't drink soda mm. anymore. It's so sweet and disgusting. 
Yeah. But I like this is like my dream vanilla citrusy magic. You if you see this like if you have to shove an old lady out of the way to get the last can, do it because it's delicious. <laughs> if she, if if, if, if okay. I swear, if, like if Lady Methuselah is reaching for the can and you see oh it, I want God. you to like face first dive out of the way, shove her like full body check and grab yourself that lemon chill. Okay, it's shoving old ladies good. It's gotcha. shoving old. It, yeah, 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 yeah. It's good. Okay, all right. I'm gonna give it a try. Okay, good. I'm glad we got that out of the way. This is very important stuff. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I like this so much, you might even say, I love it. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I already teased it in the video. What are you show. using that can for, Rachel? Mm, well, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I didn't come here to be judged. Um, so, okay. Uh, I told you we're going to be talking about ob- sex- object sexuality or yeah. objectum sexuality or objectophilia. Those are all appropriate okay. names for okay. it. Uh, I want to know, first of all, what what exactly you know about object sexuality okay so my little sister and i used to watch that show where people were like my strange addiction that's what it was called yes Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. have had they had a guy on there who was in a sexual relationship with his car and he had to like come out to his father about it Uh uh-huh and then i believe either on that show or some other weird documentary i saw somebody who was in love with a roller coaster Uh Uh uh-huh and like would go to this amusement park and like pet it and yeah you know pda other things (laughs) (laughs) i feel like that that my strange addiction car thing was like everybody's gateway yeah sexuality i think so because i think that was the first time i'd ever seen it not just sort of heard about it Uh that actually honestly was kind of sweet though because his dad was so nice to him about it you are such a sweet soul (laughs) (laughs) all i can i don't